What is going on you guys and welcome back to the channel. How would you like to boost your retirement income? by up to 15%. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's what we're talking about in today's video. In fact, with a slight little tweak of your investments, a twist, if you will, it's very possible that there is a chance to inch out some extra returns. To be clear, I'm not trying to promise 15% returns every year, but we possibly can actually increase our income, particularly in our retirement accounts, by up to 15% with this little tweak. Now there are caveats, this won't apply to everybody, so make sure you stick around to the end where we talk about those considerations, but for some of you guys watching, this may be a little, little tweak that does help you out. And in particular, what we're talking about here is the investments that you hold within your RRSP, okay? This does not apply to TFSA. If you don't use RSP, you only do TFSA, unfortunately that's not gonna apply. In fact, you guys know from watching the channel long enough, the RRSP is a very unique account, a retirement account for Canadians where there are tax, there's a tax treaty in place where certain types of investments are treated differently. And in fact, the, the topic, the, the principle of what we're talking about today is what is known as asset location. Essentially, understanding which types of assets fit better in which types of accounts because they certainly do. And the RSP is very unique in this sense. And what we're going to be covering is essentially investors that do invest in U.S. stocks. So if you invest, you know, for U.S. exposure, investing in America, you know, buying stocks, really actually we're talking about ETFs today, but you want your portfolio to be exposed to America, which I think, by the way, is a good idea. Uh, that's very much what I do. But we're going to be answering the question, is it better to hold a Canadian listed U.S. ETF or a U.S. listed U.S. ETF? If you're not entirely following what I'm saying, we'll go through some examples, but it's really quite straightforward. With an ETF, the components of this fund may, and by the way, if there's suns all over me and like all the water dried up, but there was water on my thing here earlier, there's not much I can do about that, unfortunately. But essentially what I'm talking about is if you had a fund, let's say an S&P 500 fund. In fact, let's just jump into this right now. If we look at VFV, right, which is a very, very popular fund here in Canada, it's an S&P 500 fund by Vanguard, but this is a Canadian fund. So it's essentially a Canadian product, which actually technically wraps, you know, a US fund, but it's a Canadian traded ETF. You can buy it in Canadian dollars on a Canadian exchange but it does invest in the S&P 500. If you look at the components of this fund, it's investing in 500 of the largest American companies. The American version, we could look at with the ticker VOO, also produced by Vanguard. So same producer, this is a Canadian fund, this is an American fund. If we looked at the breakdown, it would be the exact same thing, okay? Their goal of these funds is to go track and give you exposure to the US market. This one's obviously an American traded, um, fund and this one's obviously a Canadian traded fund. Now I've done a video. I looked back. It was actually over three years ago now. So time flies how long ago this was, but I did a video on withholding tax, which I'd encourage you to go look up on the channel. If you just quickly go search it up because it will really explain how this works. But depending on what type of investments and how the ETFs are structured, whether it's Canadian, whether it's US, different withholding tax rules apply. And the simple fact of the matter that many of you guys know is that in the RSP, because this is deemed a retirement account and its specific purpose is to provide Canadians you know, for our future retirements, due to that treaty in place, when we earn income from US investments, so let's say for example, US dividends, that is not subject to the 15% withholding tax. So let me just get a better color here. Let's just write it this way. I don't know whether to give it a check mark or a non-check mark, but even though these own the exact same investments, 
because this is a Canadian fund, and in their eyes, it's technically looked at as a foreign fund, you know, to them, Canada's foreign, obviously to them, US is home, if you will. VFV is subject, I'm gonna put a check mark here, meaning that we do have 15% of our dividends withheld at source, even though it invests in US you know, investments and receives US dividends. With VFV, I mean with VOO, excuse me, this is not subject to those source deductions. And a really telling way to look at this is if we looked at the dividends on these two funds, I'll pop them up here for you guys so you can actually see on their website, you can go visit it if you like. But I'm just gonna write it here even though I know it's hard to see today. But for example, they own the exact same investments. They own, you know, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Berkshire, whatever the top, you know, 10 or 500 companies are. VFV today pays a dividend of 1.31%, whereas this same US alternative pays a dividend of 1.59%. So you're actually inching out, what is that? A 15% gain, a 15% more dividend, 15, 20%. You guys can do the math on that. But not crazy noticeable, but a noticeable difference. The reason being for this, why is there a difference? Because with this fund, I mean, we're technically talking about distributions, FYI, as you guys know, we've already talked about the difference, it's not technically a dividend, it's a distribution. But with VOO, there is no source deductions for the withholding tax versus with VFV, there is. Now, whether that looks appealing to you, I mean, these are smaller dividends at the end of the day. Let's crank this example up just one little notch and look at more or less maybe a dividend specific ETF. So in this case, I just picked a random ETF, which is by BMO called ZDY, ticker ZDY, it's a US dividend ETF. Again, a Canadian product, Canadian listed, traded in Canadian dollars. However, it invests in US dividend stocks. This one pays a dividend today of 2.63%. Now, I'll be honest, this is not a fair apples to apples comparison because I didn't find an exact US alternative. But if we look at a very popular ETF down in the States, which is SH, SCHD, excuse me, a US dividend ETF that owns a bunch of US dividend stocks, this one pays 3.61%. What I'm trying to get at by these examples, I mean, VFV is not the best example because the, you know, the broad US market index, S&P, is not necessarily known for their dividends. But when you start specializing more and more in stocks that or ETFs, excuse me, that do pay higher dividends, it can become more meaningful. Again, this is not a fair comparison because they're not identical funds. But the point that I want to get across here is that, and that you should get across here, is that this is a Canadian listed fund, meaning it is subject to the withholding, uh, the foreign withholding tax, 15%, whereas the US based one is not. So what am I trying to illustrate, you know, with this video? Well, to cut to the point of it, like what I'm talking about here, what are we even talking about here? In the RRSP, and again, specifically in the RRSP here, not the TFSA, it is a very fair argument to say, if I found a identical funds, so a Canadian listed one and a US alternative, it is actually very fair to say in the RSP, I would go ahead and pick the US investment because I'm not subject to this 15% withholding tax. If this is confusing again, I would suggest going to watch that video that I talked about, you know, why that is the case. And again, we don't need to go too in depth on it because that's just the fact of the matter. That's just how it is. But it's not quite that simple. I'd love for that to just be super obvious and we just say, well, hey, that's great. Let's just go do this and just boost our income by 15%. There are caveats and I would argue there are downsides or at least considerations that you need to make for your own portfolio and see whether this makes sense or not. Because as you may know, 
If you have a Canadian account and you're buying US stocks, well, one consideration that we have to have is of course, currency conversions. We essentially have to convert our Canadian dollars into US dollars to go buy these US funds, right? If we have Canadian dollars, we can go buy these very simply. We just pay a commission. We don't pay a currency conversion fee because we already have the currency and the appropriate dollars. If we want to go ahead and buy a US listed fund in our Canadian account, we have to incur a fee. And this could range anywhere between 1.5 to 2%. It really depends on your brokerage, but you're essentially looking at, let's just call it a 1.5, 2% fee to convert your dollars just to go out and do this. Now, you then have to do the math and say, well, if I'm paying this conversion fee on the way in, just to get a 15% break, if you will, on my dividends, and let's say, for example, I need this money back to live off of in a year's time, maybe you're old, maybe you're retired, I gotta convert that back because I live here in Canada, I gotta spend all this stuff in Canadian dollars, like I use Canadian dollars where I live, maybe you get hit on a conversion on the way back, you then have to you then have to do the you know actual math and look at whether this makes sense or not. This only applies if you have a cheap and easy way to convert dollars at a low cost. And this could be something like Norbert's Gambit, Norbert's Gambit, excuse me, which there are a lot of videos out online which you can look into. I personally am not a fan of doing that because I just A, don't have the time or B, have the care to go out, do that, do a bunch of journaling and wait for all these shares to happen. It, but a lot of people who like saving every penny will do that. And that's an effective way of getting dollars over. And then in that case, it can make sense. Maybe you have an account that just straight up allows you to deposit US dollars directly. Like you have a bunch of US dollars that you're sitting on you can put that directly into your account and then go buy these US funds or US ETFs without incurring a, a currency conversion fee. That's another option. But I will say this applies mainly to those who can convert currency you know, very, very cheaply. Another thing to consider too, which is again, a con if you will against this, is that there are, you know, the relationship between the Canadian and US dollar does come into play. Currency fluctuations, this can be a headache for a lot of people. And I have done videos as well on how the currency fluctuations actually impact your investment. I'll see if I can link it up here for you guys. It was a long time ago, maybe three, four years ago. So older video, if you wanna go check that out. Essentially, as the dollar strengthens and weakens in relation to the US dollar, that absolutely impacts our investments. And that's another consideration that we have to come in here come in with here, because although that I would say this is an exciting thing to consider, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Like it's not that simple for a lot of investors, but for certain people, it can make sense. I totally forgot to throw in a bonus thing here, which is a slight bonus. Is it meaningful? Is it not? Um, you can make that decision. But typically with these US funds, you do see a cheaper MER. And this is a great example where VOO trades at about a 3% MER, excuse me, 0.03% MER. Whereas VFV, I believe is up around eight or 9%. I believe it's 9% as of today, 0.09. Again, they're so small and meaningless. Like they're so insignificant in my opinion that will that really make a difference? Maybe if you have tons of money invested, sure, you could save a little bit more by doing this, but that is another benefit of these US funds. I think just nature that they are extremely big and they're able to attract so much dollars at a low cost. I think that's why. If you guys know the answer, you can let me know down below. But uh, nevertheless, you know, what I will wrap up with and you know, finish this video off with is although I do think it, it can be worth, like I bring this to your attention because for some of you guys that may make a lot of sense, I will do this for my situation. But I also don't think that it's wrong to just go out and buy, it's certainly not wrong to just go out and buy a Canadian listed product and keep it very, very simple. The KISS principle is something that I preach and I live by. It's a huge, 
you know, aspect of my investing, I think there's a lot of value, intrinsic value to keeping your investing simple and not have to worry about doing Norbert's Gambit, not have to worry about all this stuff uh, if you don't care to do so. Like if you want to just keep your investment on autopilot. Well, then products like this are so, so simple and easy and you just go out and buy the Canadian version and don't even worry about this, especially if you have smaller dollar figures. But as your dollar figures creep up and up and up and you know maybe these dividends, especially for a dividend specific investor, and if you're somebody that's very, very tedious with the numbers and you're trying to scrape out every single penny that you can, because that's just the type of investor you are, well, then you don't have to keep it simple. And this may be a slight way to optimize your portfolio. Essentially, takeaway being, consider looking into US listed investments in the RRSP. Investments, I say. Here, I'm talking particularly about funds. But assuming you can you know, convert your dollars at a cheap price and you're okay with just the considerations, if you're investing for the long term, it could be a way to boost your retirement income. You guys know that I personally don't own ETFs, so this is not an issue for me. I used to own ETFs in the past, but now I invest uh, primarily in in, US, in stocks, excuse me. So this is not a consideration. If you guys looked at it, I mean, I do follow this principle, but just with individual stocks. If you looked at the breakdown for my RSP in terms of where I hold my assets, Today, I hold about six Canadian stocks. I do still have Canadian exposure, but I have about 16 US holdings in my RSP, many of those dividend stocks. So I'm kind of doing this on an individual stock level. As I mentioned at the top, I think it is valuable for Canadian investors to invest in the US market. In my opinion, you can make your own decision uh, for yourself, but you just look at the numbers uh, historically. I believe the S&P has averaged somewhere in the range of nine, 10% over long periods of time, the Canadian market has of course come in a little bit below that at about 6.5, 7%, and then you could obviously knock a couple points off for inflation, uh, which is what I typically tend to do for a more real rate of return. Case in point being is that the Canadian market does, has historically underperformed, I think just because it's smaller, less opportunity, maybe a little more concentrated than the American market. So based on the numbers alone, why would we not have a big portion of our investments in that market? especially if there is a little treaty in place that allows us to have a little bit of extra income boost uh, in that account. So, hey, that is my quick video for you guys. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Is this something that's new to you? Is it something that you considered? Is it something that you do? I'm sure there's a lot of subscribers out there that do exactly this. I'd like to make very clear, it's not wrong. In fact, it's completely fine and good to do it the other way around where you just keep it simple and you don't worry about this, but there may be an opportunity for optimization if you guys do a little more research, look into it more and see whether it makes sense for your situation or not. With that said, guys, if you enjoyed the video, give it a thumbs up. Let me know down in the comment section below. As always, we do offer courses and training via our investing academy. That is that first link down below if you're a beginner to the stock market here in Canada. Last but not least, make sure you follow me on Blossom at the username Brandon. See what we're chatting about with the community over there each and every day. Tons of fun stock market investing topics being discussed. That is the link down below as well. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.